Good morning. This is Corey with Corey's Digs, and I'm here with my co-host, the speaker and the sharp edge. And we have a special guest with us here today as well. And I'll introduce him in a minute. But first, I just want to see uh, how everyone's doing, because I know last week's speaker's internet was down, so he wasn't able to join us. So how are you doing today, speaker? Um, it's, uh, it's hell down here. I'm not going to lie about it. It's, uh, it's not, a, not a good place to be at the moment, uh, Victoria. Uh, and Australia in general, uh, COVID tyranny is at a level where I think people don't realize the slippery slope we're at and they're not seeing it with certain things that are happening, signing into shops, fines for certain normal human activities. It's, um, it, it's, it's not great, um, but I have been trying to stay on top of it. And of course, internet issues and all that coming coming to play but i'm trying i'm trying to come here as much as possible and still continue my work uh in this field because that's important too and um yeah but uh, yeah i'm i'm, I'm getting yeah, you, you guys went into lockdown again last night didn't you yeah snap lockdown 12 o'clock after about oh. seven hours of new cases it, it there's no there's no waiting period now if there is a COVID case it's lockdown oh my god which has been, uh, I think, five lockdowns now, <sighs> on and, and then, off for about a year and a half. Good God. And then how long did they ever say, okay, now it's lifted? Like after a few weeks or something? Really depends on the cases. I I, I, I mean, I, I think uh, Edge and I will do a video on this because I think people do need to um, understand how far the Australian government are taking these sort of restrictions. I right. mean, every time this happens, states close from one, one another straight away. So I can't go to different states. Um, it, if anyone does, there's massive fines. It's, you know, in, in some states, in, in some in some counties and regions, uh, you're banned from singing, you're banned from dancing. Wow. Like, like they, they, these are things you can get fined for. Wow. Right? Like, it is absolutely insane <laughs> Wow they uh, are trying to take this, you know, for your protection right. sort of a racket. Do you know what I mean? We're, uh -huh. we're doing this to help you. We're doing this to save you. Well, of course, by, by doing this, you're in, you're slowly letting in tyranny and a lot of people not seeing it, but a lot of people now um, are kind of at their tipping point. Uh, they really don't care. And they're just like, well, I'm going to do what I've got to do. I can't keep closing my business. You know, right. I can't keep closing my gym. This is not. Well, that's the, that's the key is everyone needs to not be compliant. You know, I mean, that's the way to fight this. <clears throat> so, so yeah, I think we'll definitely go into a video on that. Edge and I, maybe this week, when yeah. I have a bit of time and we'll, we'll, we'll make a short video on everything Good. that's happening here. But uh, yeah. how are you doing, Edge? Yeah. How are you doing, Edge? I'm doing all right. I'm just really watching like a spectator uh, watching a train wreck and I can't take my eyes off and it's just so heavy right now. I'm feeling that vibe. And I think that all three of us and yeah. maybe our our guest today feels a little bit of the same. And so um, and that's why I'm really glad that he's here so we can kind of hash this out and uh, kind of talk about what's going on in the world, how it's affecting all of us and, you know, solutions, some solutions. solutions. Yeah. I, I think it's, it's really easy to look at all the bad shit that's happening and go, okay. Um, but how do we tackle that? Not just like on a physical level, but a spiritual one as well. And how do we do our part that can trigger other people to help do their part as well. So it's good to have these conversations. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's been a rough week. It's been a rough week for me. <laughs> I, I've been in computer hell. I, I, have you guys noticed like with technology, it's like everything I go into, either all of a sudden it doesn't recognize my password or all of a sudden a website's not working or something's timed out or the internet's down or the requirements have now changed in shipping from a place. It's like constant, just constant. And now sales tax are being added or additional fees are being added. It's, it's every day, it's just amping up, increasing little aggravations that are piling up. And then you look around and you see all this 
just just dark stuff everywhere. I popped into the internet last night and I'm like, I just need a laugh. I need some jokes, you know, some humor, some cute pics of animals, something fun. And no, anywhere you go, it's just rah, 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 rah. just negative, dark, heavy, heavy stuff. And and sadly, you know, that's that's kind of where we're at and we're all <clears throat> dealing with it in our own way. I personally am in a couple months going to be taking like three weeks off and I'm doing a, <laughs> I can't wait, doing a road trip with the family and we're going to just go on an adventure and go explore a bunch of areas and I cannot wait and I'm going to, I'm going to completely unplug. So without further ado, let me welcome my dear friend, John Paul Rice Hello. and uh, for those who, who may not be familiar with John, he's, I hate to like sum it up as to what you do because there's so much more than that john's a really mm -hmm. good friend we talk all the time we have like really in-depth philosophical conversations and uh he's he's a movie producer and he produced uh, most people are probably familiar with you through a child's voice uh, mm -hmm. but more recently you filmed uh game day which i'm super yeah. excited about and that's coming out at some point this year um I know you guys wrapped that up and so you're still working in production in that. Mm -hmm. And so I thought it would be so fun to just bring John on and have a conversation because he always has such wonderful insights and perspectives. And, and whereas we don't always agree, which is what makes the conversation so fun, <laughs> he really has some terrific insights. So I think it would be yeah. neat to um, have a conversation about kind of moving forward through all of this and where we're at right now. And so... Tell everyone, tell everyone about the movie you're working on and kind of what you're up to right now. Sure. Thank you. And thank you all, all three of you for having me on today. Um, I've, I, I actually looked forward to this because I, I've heard your voices for so many uh, last two years, really. And you guys go at it every week and you help so many people. So um, thank you. Um, so my background, uh, just, just, Briefly, I had a 19 year career in Hollywood. I still maintain that, not Hollywood, but uh, in film. And um, yeah, Child's Voice was a movie that we made in 2017 when learning about human trafficking, really for the first time in depth. And it was before Epstein, Maxwell, all that. Um, it was a road a story about a road to redemption through love. And there's a hopeful message at the end, which is not about you know, the darkness of human trafficking, but the light, which is the child's voice inside of all of us that awakens. And when we hear that, we, we say, we'll help you. Um, in game day, we switched gears completely and went with a kind of pseudo autobiographical story about the co-writer Dean Simone who is an Italian-American fourth-generation Philadelphian. For those who know what that is, that is one of the most brutal towns in America. It's Philadelphia, the history of America is one of the oldest cities, but it is brutal. The people there are brutal, but they have heart. <laughs> and, uh, and you will never uh, meet people like those in Philadelphia, even in New York. Philadelphia is always considered the little redheaded stepchild. <laughs> uh, or the little brother, and they got a little bit of a chip on their shoulder. Uh, so they're, they're very proud of their city, and they're very tough. <laughs> so we made a movie that was based on Game Day. It's called Game Day. And it's a story of the family of the Fortes, this Italian-American family in Philadelphia who gather every Sunday to watch their eagles take on another <laughs> opponent, and in this case, this day, it happens to be the most hated rival, the Cowboys from Dallas. Uh, and over four quarters of football, the family's bitter realizations and truths start exploding and coming to the surface. It puts child against parent, parent against grandparent, siblings, exes, all of it. All the dirty laundry, all the truth comes out about what was really going on all those years that everybody was suffering. And finally, everybody's getting it out. And um, it's done in such a way that's raw, it's humorous, and it ultimately is inspirational. Because at the end of the day, 
when we look at this film and when you see this movie, what you're going to see is, is not a story about Philadelphians, not a story about Italian-Americans, a story, story about all of us. All of us have made mistakes. Yeah. All of us have acted on things that we thought were right at the time, and we didn't understand that we were also terrified and scared in some ways. So we do, we make justifications for all of the things that we do, not being wicked, evil people that are hell bent on destroying each other, but ones that are self-sabotaging, ones that, that are, it's about the things that we've denied that we are, the things right. that we've wanted to do, the people that we wanted to love. And so things all of a sudden become a convenience, marriages of convenience, relationships, and so on and so forth. And a codependency begins to form. And what is really beautiful about this movie is that everybody in it is a truth teller and they're also their own con worst contradiction. <laughs> and so what I, what I love about this film though, is about great rivalries last forever, which is about great families who learn to love, survive and learn to play another day. And at the heart of this story is a group of people who love each other ferociously <laughs> and brutally. And yet behind that, at the end of the day, is there is a love and a care for each other that goes beyond the arguments, goes beyond the fights, goes beyond the battles of who was right and wrong. And it's like, let me be who I am. Let me live free. I like it. And yeah. And I think, uh, I mean, Based on the test screenings, we've had three of them. We're about to go to a fourth one uh, in a week in Philadelphia. Based on these test screenings, which were not in key demos of our audience, this was all Southern audiences, yeah. this film, especially among women, is going to be a massive hit because it's multi-generational from grandmother to mother to child. Yeah. And, um, and it just speaks to not the Hallmark story, <laughs> But this one is like what real independent film is. It's like, let me show you something else. What about this? What about this possibility? And it allows you to choose what you want to believe. I mean, it has an ending and it's very clear, but it's about <laughs> what you, it's like what, what real art is, not propaganda. Real art says, here it is. You judge it for what you see it as. Not, you're supposed to think this way. You're supposed to feel this way. And these are right. the political views that you need to tell everybody else what's going on. <laughs> and we all need to agree or you're racist. Right. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so That's so, awesome. I can't wait to see it. Yeah. I, I, I just, I'm, I'm excited because to me, this is my seventh <clears throat> film in 11 years. Child's Voice is very proud of. All my other movies, I look back on them, I see the strengths and the weaknesses of all of them, but they're not crap. And we dove into all of these controversial subjects, child abuse, schizophrenia, um, human trafficking of children. Um, even our earliest film, One Hour Fantasy Girl, which is a, I would consider it a classic now because it's our best-selling movie over 10 years worldwide in 90, 90 countries. Wow. Still to this day is playing in Germany, Spain, France, all over, still being rented on a large scale, even more so than a child's voice worldwide. And what it has is an underlying thing about survival. And it was about a girl who was pulling in fantasies out of a motel room in Hollywood for $150 an hour, doing any fantasy a man wanted, as long as there was no sex, no nudity, and was 100% legal. Wow. And it became this empowering story about her own inner strength having to rise to the surface because all of her clients were trying to pull from her what they lacked which was a mom mm -hmm. and oh. she lacked a mother. Wow. Yeah. So our films have these, these deeper issues going on, but they're not like, you know, mm -hmm. yelling at you. Right. Right. And so there's the story that's taking place, but then there's the internal story that's taking place as well. And game day coming full circle, 11 years later, seven films later, this is the most complete movie that we have ever made. The tightest script, the tightest cast, the most, the, the theme of this film, which is to thy own self be true, and then you can live in peace, mm -hmm. is, is going to resonate with so many people, whether they know about football or not, because the movie is not about football. Right. The movie has nothing to do with the opponent. 
the movie has everything to do with the underdogs, those who are all of us, the underdogs who are fighters to the end. And when they're on the ropes, win or lose, they pick themselves up and keep playing. That's right. That's right. I I can't wait to see it. Now you're working on, um, and did, did you want to talk a little bit about what you're planning, what your plans are in South Carolina there? Well, I want to say it so that if there's other artists out there, I want to encourage them to, to think about what it is that you want to do in your expression of art in this time or any other time. We are going to South Carolina because there in this particular area that we want to go to, which is upstate, um, there is an abundant mindset. And what that means is an entrepreneurial spirit, which is, which is what entrepreneurs do, what artists actually are. They see things that are not there. They see things that other people don't see. They see things that other people don't see are there. They do with, what, with less than what other people think is possible. So they accomplish these things. And what you have here is a city on its way up. It's between Atlanta and Charlotte. It's in Greenville. Greenville is a growing and emerging city. It's got a, it's got, it doesn't have a whole host of problems yet. Human trafficking is here. It's, it's prevalent, but it's not overrun. There's a lot of money flowing in. There's a lot of art on the rise up. So why do I say all this? Because Edgar and I were looking in places across this country outside of Los Angeles, which we left, I left two years ago and he left a year, half, half a year ago. And we wanted to be able to move into a place where we could do independent film, where we would be welcomed and supported, not just given money, but with talent, resources, a mindset in the area that said, hey, we need people like you. We're not trying to be like Atlanta. We're not trying to be like Charlotte. We're not even trying to be like Charleston. We don't want corporate, big corporate money coming in like Hulu and Amazon and Netflix and HBO and Disney right. and, and Marvel like Atlanta has. We want to do things that are scaled to our city that are about the arts. And I'll, I'll give you one example. Just I'm going to get into the, the, the priorities of what we're doing. But let me just give you a flavor on the west side of town, which is considered the most liberal, quote, woke, progressive area. Mm -hmm. Bob Jones University's own students run a coffee shop there. Bob Jones University is the Christian university that anybody can look up. So you have you have, quote, Southern Baptist hardline Christians in woke areas of town and nobody has a problem. Yeah. (laughs) So so we. I've been to downtown Atlanta and I grew up there and it's totally changed, completely 100% changed. So when I looked at all this, I said, you know what? There's an opportunity here. And this is for artists to think about. There's an opportunity not just to go there to get money, but you have people that are ready to receive you, ready to hear what you have to say and ready to see what you have to show. More importantly, though, this is about the next generation of artists. Mm-hmm. in this time and i'll make it very simple hollywood we know what it is it's a cult it's going to become more of a cult and all those who support it are going to follow that energy because they agree with it or they, it agrees with them and um and what this time means is is that art is honest authentic expression it does not have a desired outcome. So what do you do? Instead of those kids coming out of school with $100,000 loaded up in debt and having to go to New York or LA, where for at least the first couple of years, they're going to pay their dues by working for peanuts, struggling, trying to support extraordinary costs to live, yeah. With enormous sacrifice, also that they can take that degree and finally get to tell their story by by working their way up through the industry. Well, the truth of the matter is some people will have to learn the hard way, but a lot of people, what we want to do is we want to give them the training, 
professional training on how to write screenplays the correct way, not the propaganda way, and and with real stories and real themes about people. Yeah. We also want to do, we want to instill in them the ability to direct and produce on that level. So 20, 21, 22, 23, 24-year-olds coming out of school are going to get that kind of training. We're going to work through the universities. We're going to work through the conservatories. We're going to, we're going to partner with them. The next thing we're going to do is we're going to start raising money here for local independent productions in the state that can be made with state money and in-state talent or regional talent. Because what, what most people don't realize outside of the entertainment industry is that there is an abundance of talent everywhere. You can find actors everywhere. Yeah. But you have to know where to look for them and you also have to have the material to attract them. Right. So what we want to give the opportunity to these younger people is 20, 20 year olds is to say, look, guy, we're going to train you. We're going to teach you. We're going to teach you the theories of all the things that we've learned that are beyond the academic, beyond the mechanical. Mm -hmm. Because if you're going to become an artist, you have to know who you are. Otherwise, right. you just go serve a functional role as a camera guy or a director calling action. But if you don't know who you are, if you're not using art to explore the depths of who you are, you're doing yourself and arts art, the arts a disservice because what you're doing is you're going, I already believe this. I already know this to be true. And I'm going to tell you that already. And then you're just reinforcing propaganda. It's like this. If you're going to show me a movie on racism, show me something I've never seen before. Show it to me in a way like Get Out did. Mm -hmm. Show it to me in a way that Driving Miss Daisy did. Right. But don't reboot, rehash, remake, and imitate all this other stuff. Tarantino's career is over in terms of it being novel. There may be people that love to go to his movies and think he's so brilliant. But if you're imitating Tarantino, you're doing a watered down version of a watered down version. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I agree. So so that's what I that's that's what that's I, awesome. I want to inspire the next generation to say, get out there and tell the damn story that no one wants to tell. Tell the right. one that pulls you in, grabs you and teaches you something that you didn't know. Take me right. on that journey with you. Show right. me something new that awakens something in me that says, oh, my God, I never saw thought of it that way before. And here's the thing. It's not by words alone. It's by feelings. Yeah, absolutely. that's really where it's at. And the feeling, the authenticity of you brings forward that feeling in the art. And it's so important. It's so important right now. I mean, you know, I'm an artist. Um, most people don't know that. <laughs> because I write but but I'm an you artist are. you're an artist because you write you write well, well okay yeah that's a form of art I suppose but I didn't go to school for it you know I just I was born with the ability to draw and illustrate and I eventually started getting into graphic design and teaching myself all of that and then you know started writing mainly to get information out you know is why mm -hmm. I'm doing the writing I'm doing but but yeah, art is so, so important uh, for the soul and yeah. for just for expression. And right now, I think that's awesome what you guys are doing, especially with the younger generation, because God, there's such a big target with all of this, you know? Yeah. Art, and, art, seems, art seems like one of those things that, especially in this uh, quote unquote COVID era, that is kind of being the first to get cut in financially or stuff like that people look at it as you know just something that's there but they don't understand what it can do uh mm -hmm. like either because they haven't seen a beautiful piece of art whether it's performance art whether it's singing whether it's uh illustrating drawing or creating in any sort of way i mean i'm in the same boat as you Corey. you know i'm an artist right right um, but i'm i'm an artist that is more i mean i've done performance art stuff and i've done uh certain things which is you you can't really categorize because that's my art to me is something different or something that spurs something in people and what what good art has taught me it, it has taught me to find myself and it is touched on topics that has awoken maybe an issue in me especially from childhood or something whether it is 
uh, something that brings out, you know, narcissistic abuse or self-sabotage or just something like that that you can connect with and uh, elaborate further on even after the art has gone from your face or whatever it is. It's something you can dive into deeper and understanding more about you through these works that the people have tried to, you know, uh, throw out towards you just said that 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 is good art to me and it is rare these days which is very sad but but we have such an amazing opportunity to especially with the internet and especially with technology i mean it can be used in a really positive way i mean i'm i'm a big fan of most uh, Japanese artists or illustrators and stuff like that, because I love the creativity behind them because yeah. they're not, they're, it, it's like they're not beholden to anyone and they just mm-hmm. go wild. And you see the West <laughs> carry on and complain about how this is sexist or how they have drawn this and they don't care. They just do it. And yeah. it, it is why people tune in and it is why now, uh, especially the manga or the comic industry, a lot of the West are pouring their money into Japan because they see the creativity and the love and the passion that they put into their work apart from the West where it is propaganda and it is trying to create an uh, ideology for someone or to drag people down into this into this spiral of bullshit pretty much. It's, 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 exactly. It's, but, but yeah, but, but but you can see the world responding to especially good art when it's out there. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I think that um, Hollywood, one main reason why Hollywood is just tanking, it's just going down in flames is because they are so detached from the rest of the people, the common folks, so to speak, right? And a lot of it is because they're just regurgitating that propaganda. They aren't getting too real truths. And um, I think that's the main problem just throughout the country is this Marxist ideology, this regurgitation of propaganda, it really just suppresses ideas, suppresses speech, and therefore that suppresses art. Because if there's Mm -hmm. all these rules of things that you can and can't talk about or can and can't make films about, then that just stifles creativity. And so I think that on the converse, like you were saying, Speaker, is that we may have an opportunity here to have a sort of renaissance in places outside of Hollywood where we are really doing grassroots of just like a renaissance of the arts where there is no um, suppression of speech and thought and that allows creativity to flourish. Well, mm-hmm. it's, 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 it's almost like now with mainstream art that there is a checklist and you have to follow that checklist. You know, you yeah. need to put this idea in there. You need to put a certain amount of women or a certain amount of black people or, you know, a, a certain diverse cast. And in doing that, you you poison the creation of what it originally is supposed to be. If there is a checklist that you have to follow, then it's not, it's, it's not art. It's just a creation of... Um, just these these things that the the way you want to push society forward the way they want to twist the narrative mm-hmm. yeah. yeah 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 it's an interesting thing you said about um it's kind of like the authentic part of you that says you know actually the speaker you mentioned something um a minute ago and it made me think about what an artist really is is a person who didn't go through the program properly Mm-hmm. It, you know you didn't become a lawyer a doctor an accountant and that's that's not degrading those positions but there was something in you that that itched you right it struck you as going there's something not right here maybe it's not with me but i i can't i can't make sense of it so i have to go outside elsewhere maybe within to create mm-hmm. in order to make sense of this madness or make sense of this thing that is calling me mm-hmm. um and that's that's really where the art the artist must take on the responsibility not to save the whole world or try to figure it all out but it's like going i have to use my abilities in the in exploring the depths of myself the things that challenge me the things that terrorize me the things that give me hope joy and love and take you on this journey that i'm going through emotionally 
and come through on the other side to say, here is something that I have been able to learn through this and I hold on to it like we all hold on to it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, yeah, it's uh, it's 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 strange because like you you do, uh, uh, like I said before, I I am very much into Japanese works uh, because of that. And my favorite artist is a man called Ichira Oda, and he's the creator of uh, a, an anime series or a, a manga, which is now the longest running manga ever. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's been running for about twenty years, and he's done over you know one thousand episodes. Wow. But, the, the, the way he grew through that animation, it was like I've grown up with it and I still watch it. It was like <laughs> it, it started and he was in the same place as me. And now where it's at, it, it's just it's this amazing quest. And the way he twists emotions and the way he surprises you with certain things or unexpected things, you're like, this guy creates with emotion. Like this, mm-hmm. th- this whole thing is his magnum opus for sure. I mean, it's yeah. all he works on. He lives it. He breathes it. He hardly goes to like manga conventions and stuff because he's just too busy working on his work, right? <laughs> so, so he, he like it, the, 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 this man's worth like uh, sixty, seventy million dollars. Wow. Yet he is one of the most humblest dude and only shows his face every four years because he has to put out a chapter a week and he, he, and he wants to finish this story before he dies. And it's like <laughs> dedicated your art, like your life to this. And it's touched so many people. Like the fan base yeah. is amazing. And the age difference and like things like that is what people need to see. And it's just really sad that it's not coming from Every did now we lose and then? you? Oh, you cut out a second there. Oh, did I cut out? Yeah, right. you said it's really sad that it's not coming from, and then we lost yeah, you. Yeah, it, it, it's re- it's really sad that it's not coming in bulk from the West. Um, yeah. Like, you, you, there is glimpses of it, and there's, there's certain artists that are there, and you're like, geez, if you were just allowed because well that that's the key word, right? If you're in these circles, or if you want to get things published and stuff you have to be allowed it's a, it's a, like you said it's like a cult i mean they'll let you do that or they'll let you get popular if you're pushing their agendas yes it's like you can just let mm-hmm. these people flourish my god how beautiful it would be right? yeah well and that's why we have to keep creating around them and, and and not even just in the arts but with all systems we need to we need to work out i mean i've always lived outside the systems i've always I've always been quite outside the box. I think a lot of us have. I think that's why we're here, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, so John, t- share with us some of your thoughts on what you think about as far as what what's going on in this wonderful world right now and, no. and uh, you know, getting caught up in this loop, the physicality of it, the materialism, the propaganda, the the fight and the battle versus, you know, the internal battle that we're all dealing with simultaneously. And what are your thoughts on that? Man, where to begin? Uh, (laughs) Well, let me let me say that um, where my position is and where I came from. Um, some of you had seen uh, last year a video going around on Facebook or Instagram or wherever you caught it. It was a video that I did um, on an Instagram live about the censorship of a child's voice because of Amazon unpublishing it between the Ghislaine Maxwell and the Wayfair breaking mm-hmm. news. And it went super viral. I would say 80 to 100 million people worldwide saw it uh, based on our estimates. It could have been more, but Facebook shut down, save the children hashtag when that thing just like skyrocketed because everybody was downloading it from Instagram and uploading on on Facebook, at least the ones that I could see in my timeline. And there were millions of people who saw some of the other people's timelines that I was made aware of. Um, What I had to go through in that time, not thinking about myself was I did that with 700 followers on Instagram and about maybe a maximum of on an average between three and eight live stream viewers. And that thing, I sent it to two people and it just within 48 hours. <laughs> um, I remember that. Now, 
I had people praying for me around the clock for my safety because I basically called out the entire world, including the Vatican Church, the Wall Street banks and beyond, as well as Hollywood and our politicians. That flowed out of me in a way that was not premeditated. And so I didn't sit here and just simply chalk it up to God, but I sat there and said, I cannot, I cannot be in fear. Mm-hmm. And when everything went down, because I was there in DC on the 6th, I saw what actually happened. I did not participate in the um, events. Whatever the events I was, and I have an alibi because I was there on, on, I was on news. I was doing a live stream news on a, on an event that was completely separate from where the Capitol was. Um, But I saw, I saw everything setting up. I saw police getting their riot gear together 45 minutes before the speech and all of it, all of it just, and I have friends there. Okay. And I was texting you going, buddy, are you okay? (laughs) Yeah. And then, and then that night they shut down everybody's, um, uh, texting abilities. Mm. You couldn't text outside of Washington, DC. They literally put, uh, they did something with the telecommunications corporations and we couldn't send text messages out even on Wi-Fi. So, okay. Why am I saying all this? Because between January 20th and probably the end of filming uh, the, the beginning of April, I was trying to hold back a fear of dying that Mm -hmm. was very personal to me because it had to do with my childhood. And I won't get into that today because that's a whole other show. But the reality was the emotional reality was that I had to go deeper and I had to let go of all of my illusions. So that meant that meant not just disconnecting from quote reality, but being in my own reality. And living and occupying that and exploring the depths of myself alone with what I would say, and I don't mean alone, there wasn't, there weren't other people, obviously, Corey, you're my friend, you heard some of it, there were other people who heard some of it, but I was doing this with Christ, walking with Christ on this one. And um, I was able to see things at a higher level than I hadn't before. Um but mainly that came from healing deep, 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 deep traumas from childhood, which again, basically I'll just tell you, I have had a fear of death since the day I can remember. And that was because of all the things that happened to me as a baby into my young first seven years of childhood and, and beyond, but the main programming occurred, of course, like all of us for that. So when I, when I look at this time, what I'm seeing is this. I see that the communists and the globalists are being used to sour the taste of everyone in the world and create the appetite for change. Mm-hmm. Because at the end of the day, if you price all of this out, this isn't going to go on for four years. It can't. I mean, it can, but <laughs> you're talking about, well... See, here's the thing. I look at it in historical context. In the 17 and 1800s, there was a slave rebellion globally, Mm -hmm. worldwide. And they ended slavery globally, except for the United States. Uh, The reason for which had nothing to do with the abolitionist movement that everybody props up. And it had nothing to do with the fact that, I mean, all of it was consciousness rising. Yes. But I'm talking about the decisions being made by the powers that rule only do so because it's to a greater advantage to change the paradigm. Mm-hmm. So what they did was they freed all the slaves. Why? Because the slave rebellion was more costly to put down and keep them down than it was to change the paradigm. Right. With the industrial revolution, we are about to enter a technological revolution. Now I'm not saying that that means that all of this is going to be swept. But my belief is this, we have split consciousness in two. And just here in the United States alone, we've had basically a four-year election period of news cycles that have sped up time, that have sped up everybody's mind, 
that have weaponized everyone against each other for and against. And when I look at the sum total of all of this and I step back from it, I go, yes, there is violence. There will be violence because the impetus and the, and the whole entire motivation of this, when you step back and you, again, you look at Jeffrey Epstein, who he was, and he is a symptom of a much bigger issue. And that has to do with child abuse. And because we have not confronted that issue for which exists in our very homes away from everyone's view. And that's when people say, no, 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 no. The abuse that I got was good because I turned out. Okay. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. Um, Yes, that may be true for your life, but in relation to other people, you're not out there teaching people how to overcome it. So mm -hmm. unless you do that, you're really only reinforcing your own particular point of view in, in opposition to everybody else who disagrees or who might think differently. So my thing was, I was going to look at this, to look at it and go, Antifa and BLM, mm -hmm. we know what they are. But the true believers that are in there are there for a very good reason, not a reason that we agree with, but there's there. I just tell people, look at the mugshots of Antifa and tell me where you see a soul in any one of those people's eyes. Right. All of those people were children one time. Mm -hmm. All of them had a mother and father if they were lucky enough to have both or either. And what I learned was that most of those people in Antifa who are their very own contradiction for the thing that they're waging war against, um, they only have each other because they're in a gang. And that gang was from teenage years when all of them were homeless on the streets and sleeping in the park of Portland. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I had to look at, spend this time and look at not just the dark occult forces and all the other, I mean, I, I listen, I believe me, I have contemplated the depths of the dualistic system that we live in, how magic gets created, all of it. And it's frightening to consider that in spite of those things, actually, it's very hopeful. Let me put it another way. It's very hopeful to consider in, in spite of all of the spiritual magic and warfare that's being waged in 3D that we are holding together. We are rising up. We are coming together, not necessarily as one voice, but you, individual voices now are thousands and millions. Right. And I see a period of world peace coming. Now, how we get there and why and all that, I don't know. <laughs> but like I said, in order for them to sustain this program that we're currently on, they are going to have to spend more money and more force to put down everyone and keep them down for a long period of time. What I do believe is happening and going on is that this split in consciousness here in the United States started with Trump. I'm not blaming him. I'm just saying as a net effect of Trump being there, he was the mirror for four years to the left and to the right. And it wasn't 50-50. But what it did do was it hard encoded, branded. He fashioned a constitutional republic for which the left, which had descended into tyranny and Marxism, um, and is the, at least in this time, is the total embodiment of an abused child, a narcissistic abused child. Um, they were horrified by this, and they projected all their hatred and their evils and the terrors onto that man because he was the ugly face. Mm -hmm. he struck a match. He lit a fuse that could not have been possible without them. This is not an, uh, this is not to me a D like a delegitimizing thing. It's like, no, we were heading in a really bad direction Yeah, and we needed a course correct. But in reality, what that did was it's a mirror for four years, hard coded, uh, let's just say on the majority of what a constitutional republic is. So now you have a permanent divide that comes January 6th. Mm -hmm. It's the nail in the, in, it's the wedge that splits consciousness after four years where I went in, you know, I just looking at it from the left, you all are domestic terrorists. You are an existential threat. You're a, a COVID super spreader. You know, yeah. you're now you're now hosting the De you're now host for the Delta variant, you know, like all of that shit, the fear, the paranoia, all of it 
wrecked havoc on the abused minds of tens of millions of people worldwide. And we don't just call it leftism, but it's also doing it to the right too, because again, this is a false left and therefore you have a false right and you have illusions mirroring illusions. Yep. So everybody is reacting to the false left and is reinforcing a false right in opposition to the false left. And let me just give you one example of how bad this is over time. The left was allowed to take the arts and make them perverse. And the right co-created the destruction of the arts by defunding it. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. So you get rid of the arts. Yeah. Right. So right. when you look at all of these things on a macro and my, I mean, what I try to do is I try to go to the 40,000 foot view and then go to the mat, uh, the micro view and say both have to be true, Every, not just in one to one relationship, but everything else in between has to add up this way. And so I don't know, like I'm looking at the momentum. I'm looking at everything that I've learned about consciousness, uh, not just on an individual level, but a collective level, collective unconsciousness. And what I've been seeing is that the last four years have been a dress rehearsal. Mm -hmm. as have been all the other previous years address rehearsal. When I look at the Marxists, I, I, I feel sorry for them because the truth of the matter is for Gen Z and millennials of the, let's say, 30, 30 and under worldwide, mm -hmm. they've only known a world of 9-11 to now. I know. I know. It's so bad. So I, I, so, I, I always bring this up. The 90s was great. Like there, was, there was something magical about the 90s like i remember in school and there was none of this marxist agenda everyone got along i mean some of my friends different races and did none of that shit mattered right what mattered was the person exactly and the, per and the person made you know the the your group of friends or the, the group of people that you work with it had nothing to do with like turning people on each other but slowly after 9 11 it just all started kind of going downhill yeah mm -hmm. yeah 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 i mean I, I think everybody you know has their own individual story that they could tell from the trajectory of that and surely, you know, there were people that did well and all that financially or, or successful in their lives. This is not to say, you know, we all need to feel bad about the things that we've done. This is about, in fact, what I would say is the blame, shame and guilt needs to go. Right. Not, yes. that, not that not not in the Luciferian way. <laughs> <laughs> but what I'm saying is to go, we need we need a, a deeper understanding it's like you're a human being. Mm -hmm. You are a human being. You were born a child into this world before all the troubles began, before you knew about taxes, before you had any ideas of career, before you knew your mother and father were flawed. You saw them as God. Right. And my my whole thing is, no, you have to live in reality. But the reality that you create is no different than the, what the child has created. The issue is that we have obviously come a long way into the program and are trying to get back to the play of the child, which I saw in my last year of LA when I went out to these nature hikes and, and trips where I was finding 40, 50, 60 year olds searching for themselves. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because the world had become an uncertain, dangerous and sort of tumultuous place and it's it's multiple dimensions it's not just like world events right it's your job it's your career it's where you feel your life is going and supposedly building to something and we here in the west i mean we've created a structure that is going to collapse i mean 500 years of western civilization civilization as it existed before now is over yeah it's over and we need to accept that, not that we need to give up the traditions that have worked for us. In fact, I say put the traditions out there to the test, not to challenge them and say they're wrong. But if they're true, they will be reinforced and reinvigorated. Right. So, so for me, it's like this. The way we understood things before, under the control of the you know, the powers that be mm -hmm. uh, 
co-created this with us through our consent, through our ignorance, through our unawareness. And the moment to be seized is not one of collectivism alone, but one of the individual. And here's where it goes back into art. We have given diversity, tolerance, empowerment, uh, all the language of virtue to the left to define behavior. Yeah. And what it really comes down to, though, is the uniqueness of each individual for the diversity of ideas which bring forth the actual diversity. Right. We, have lived, we have lived in an inverted world for the last 500 years, engineered in this direction, where left and right on a political scale, but also on our brain hemisphere. This is an interesting one I'm going to do a show on on Monday about this, and I'm going to talk through the model of it. But there was recent documents the CIA declassified, not giving credence to the CIA, but it is corroborated by mystics, myst uh, mystics, as well as Joe Dispenza and Greg Braden of the Heart Math Institute. And again, I remove myself from people and I go, it's like this, Julian Assange, you say his name, whether you believe he's Putin's puppet or a patriot, is the information that Julian Assange that disclosed true or not true? Right. And that's what we have to deal with. That's yeah. what we have to make sense of. Not what his political exactly. motivations are, what his character is or is not. Right. Exactly. It, it's got to be about the information and you extrapolate from it. You go, are you something or are you not? Mm -hmm. Are you a sovereign being born of a creator of heaven and earth or not? In the face of this horror that is being waged on this planet right now by forces that you and I know exist yep. and, what they're, and what they think and do to children should waken us up to go, my God, the darkest corners of this world are being illuminated to say to us, look at what they're doing to you and I, not that you think it's you and I, what they're doing to the innocent, you are next. If you think $150 billion a year industry of human trafficking can yeah. exist while you're voting for politicians that promise you to create a new future for your child, you're kidding yourselves. Right. Yep. Go back to what you were going to say about the left and right brain hemispheres. Well, this one is crazy. You don't have to get and in depth with it, but I think that would be like a good, a cool thing to end on. Yeah. So what I think people should do is they go, I'll give you all the link to send to them if you want, but, but this okay. is really important. The left and the right hemispheres of the brain are not just political positions. Ian McGilchrist, who's a clinical psychologist who's spent 50 years in the field, has written this new book that's going to come out. And there's a podcast called The Theory of Everything that he's on. It's three hours long. It will blow your mind and it will tell you exactly what's happening right now, not just on a political scale, but on a conscious level. Mm -hmm. And what it says is this, the left and the right hemispheres of the brain, the left hemisphere of the brain passes through analysis, facts, data, ideas, math, statistics, all the functions of logic to the right hemisphere of the brain without judgment and the right accepts it without judgment and it takes it in and it processes it through creativity, intuition, um, creativity, imagination. <laughs> okay. Yeah. It's the nonverbal aspects of processing. Right. So if the information on the left hemisphere that's coming in without judgment being filtered and given to the right is bad information, the right can only do so much to understand in its totality, its reality, that it's creating, that it's manifesting. The left, though, here's where we are right now in very simple terms. The left hemisphere of the brain is the servant. It's the commissar, according to Ian McGilchrist. It would be like, if we're going into Star Wars, Jedi. Jedi Master and an apprentice Padawan. Um, Obi-Wan Kenobi and Anakin Skywalker. Anakin Skywalker thought himself to be better than his master, and he became evil and tyrannical. That's exactly what's happened right now. 
So we have a left hemisphere that is thinking itself to be what the right's attributes are in its emotion, in its feeling, in its intuition, but all of it is skewed because it's serving a role that it cannot live up to because it only has logic, facts, data, and analysis, which is completely devoid of the left today. So what we have is an inverse relationship between the two sides looking for the missing piece, which it can never find because it's always measuring itself in opposition to the other side. Hmm. Very interesting. Yeah. And it does um, speak to where we're at today and uh, how we're being led today, because if the left side of the brain is feeding us what inputting what what the exterior is is saying which is constant fear paranoia uh, about right. all of the news headlines of you know whether it's covid or race relations what whatever the topic is it's all driven by fear and paranoia that's what's being inputted and uh, that's what's leading the consciousness for so many people and uh, yeah tells a lot about how our society is being led in general. Yes. Um, in this direction, this path. We got to switch it. Yeah, we well, do. Well, <laughs> it, is, it is the awakening. I mean, I want to say to people that the awakening is not knowledge alone. The awakening must be spiritual. And so for the people that are struggling with that, because I do know many people are going, I just can't feel God. I understand. I understand what that's like. Trauma blocks your brain and your body's ability to connect the divine source. So for those that are willing to take it on in steps, I recommend EFT therapy, emotion freedom technique, learn it or go seek a therapist who does it because it will help immediately. But the other thing that people can do who are struggling with anxiety or any kind of fears right now, go on YouTube and look up Havening Technique by Paul McKenna. I will guarantee you, you will be blown away doing that for, I think it's 12 minutes, one time, one cycle through. You will reduce your anxiety and stress by 50%. No, no bullshit on that one guaranteed and you can do it again and you'll take it from let's say it's at a 10 you'll take it down to a five the first time you'll take it down to a one or two or maybe a three at most the second time and that's something that can temporarily alleviate the stresses because what this thing does is it elicits delta brainwave state which you all know if gamma alpha beta theta and then delta delta and theta are asleep so it takes you out of your thinking thought mind and gives you space to calm down. And, and um, these are things that you can do at home. You can do them for free. You don't need medication. You don't need a prescription. You don't even need, you can learn these things on your own, but they're absolutely important so that you remain at a calmer state of mind today to be able not to react, not to react to the world and the fear that's being driven into people but be able to move outside of it and respond in a creative way. And you're in a state of fear. You're in a state of worry. You're in a state of anger. You can't make wise decisions. You just can't. It's right. a fact. You're right. in a fight or flight mode. I'll tell you what, if you're ever in a fight or flight mode and you want to get out of it, lay down on the floor and put your feet up on the wall yep. so that it reverses the blood flow back into the heart. And I guarantee you within five to 10 minutes, you will come out of the flight flight or fight stage and put some relaxing music on and take some deep breaths and you there know, you go smoke a dope smoke a doobie really good call it a day <laughs> well you know that's like what the, 10 I, minutes of qigong in the morning works really really well to get yourself I grounded, do that. balanced and calmed before you even begin your day getting outside in the and putting your feet on the ground, oh, yeah. on the grass or on the sand or wherever you are, dirt even, getting outside every day, you're talking about reducing inflammation, increasing, you know, reducing your bad mood, um, your health benefits of grounding every single day for a minimum of 20 minutes. If you can do it up to an hour, you'll be a marathon. 
you will get more health benefits with your blood pressure and everything else in your body than you would working out for 45 minutes at a gym. Oh yeah. 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 It's, it's so, it's so important right now because I think everyone's, whether it's your mental health, your emotional or your physical, I feel like everyone's health is somewhat in jeopardy right now, just because of everything everyone's going through. And so, so we have to tend to ourselves and, you know, I'm preaching this to myself as I'm saying this, because I'm awful at that. I'm a, you know, everyone knows I'm a workaholic. So (laughs) it's really, really important. Did you want to say something edge? Yeah, I was just going to say that it's all by design, this um, instilling of fear and paranoia, this just perpetual state of trauma that really the entire globe is going through. It really keeps us paralyzed. And I think that is by design so that we don't have the ability to overcome, to shift the paradigm. And Mm. people feel so helpless at this point. But really what you spoke to was that if we just just uh, shut out the world for a minute and and go within, we can Mm -hmm. actually affect the world just by affecting ourselves personally, because it can have a sort of viral effect in the same way that the fear and the paranoia has a viral effect. So does the love, so does the truth, so does the strength and the um, courage. All of those things have um, a viral effect as well. So we can affect other people simply by going within and getting rid of that fear and paranoia and replacing it with uh, positivity, with truth, with love, with our connection, with God, all of those things are going to have the effect of changing that paradigm that we're stuck in right now. Yep, absolutely. Well, I think that was, that was a really good conversation. I'm looking at the clock going, oh boy, we're already over an hour here. We, we can go for <laughs> five speaker more. speaker needs to sleep whatever he can get in. Uh, no, 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 my, my day started, mate. I will be back in the afternoon. <laughs> God bless you. Oh, well, we got to have you back on. It was so great to, to just listen to you. I think that we could have gone for hours more. <laughs> we'll, we'll have John on again for sure. <laughs> Corey will filter and uh, procure everything. Because <laughs> it could it 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 get pretty crazy. Like some of the stuff I come up with, and I'm like, well, what do you think of this? He's like, I don't know, man. You're like, there's it's, some crazy shit out there. I'm like, yeah, I know. It's, it's all right, man. She does the same thing to us, and it's all right. It's, it's our podcast with all of us. Corey effect. Yeah, yeah yes. you're funny. Yeah, she's, very, she's, very, she's very good at it. We're not going to talk about this. We're not going to talk about that. We're not going to talk about that. Oh, stop it. I do not. I was like, well, I got nothing then. Like, why am I showing up? (laughs) That's when I'm in my mode where I'm like, guys, I don't want to talk about all this dark shit going on right now. I just want to give solutions and positivity. So I'll be like, no, I don't want to talk about child trafficking today. Or I don't want to talk about this. Because it's just, you know, it's so heavy. And when you're reading it it, and, and it. Yeah, but it's also, you know, what we said, Corey, it's like, it's like, okay, you want me to know this, but it's like, okay, what, what, what more can I do with it other than feel horrible, outraged, and right. want justice? Right, right. You know, I'm not, I'm not saying there isn't anything you can do. It's just like, affect the area that you're in. Mm-hmm. Don't, the fighting of the outside world, that's their world. It has always been their world. You just become aware of it in this time. So the question is, okay, what do you want to do? What do you want to do about it? Do you want to get involved locally? Do you want to start a charity? Do you want to go feed the homeless? Here, here's, this is the last thing I want to say. What I came to the understanding of when I contemplated this time in relation to Christ, to Jesus. And I tell people, it's like, look, whether you see him as a yogi a shaman, a mystic, a messiah, son of God. Look at it this way. Christ came with all of his father's powers to earth, but yet chose to come in the form of a servant, a shepherd over the sheep, which is the sheeple, the mm-hmm. ignorant. Who did Christ spend his time with? The, the, the lowest of the low. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The sinners, the outcasts. 
those who suffered. And what did he do? He would tend to them and give his life for them. And when one of those sheep, one of those hundred, would go and stray, once again, as ignorant as they were, he would search night and day for them and bring them back to the flock. Yes. And I believe that that is our role in this time, greater than Christianity on the whole, to be shepherds. We reconcile that through daily meditation and prayer with our intention as we struggle, as we traverse our own internal friction, our own internal places that we came from to resolve them. But there was a young man I met two years ago up on a mountain who went after his brother who was up in that mountain, killing himself with drugs, alcohol, and probably heroin or meth. And I met that young man, he's 22 years old. And he said, you know what? I have my own problems too. And he said, but helping my brother in a way helps me too. And I think that's where we have to go is that you can be somebody to anybody, especially in this time, a child, a child in need that just wants attention, wants love with all this busy shit going on. The mom and dad worried about the finances and everything else. If you are able to have a higher level understanding of things and look at that kid and just give them love and attention, you don't have to say a damn thing to that kid. Mm-hmm. But that love and attention that you give that child is a deposit of gold in the bank for their future, and it is helping yours too. Right. And so if only for your own self-preservation or your own selfish interest, help other people for God's sake, because they need it. The right. suffering need it. The governments are not giving help to the suffering. They're giving suffering to the privileged class who has an opinion about shit, who actually can make decisions about things. <laughs> right. Yeah. And my my thing is the people who don't have any of that power are the ones who need us the most. So if there right. is a need out there, it's among them. Mm-hmm. Most definitely. Well said. Yeah. Yes, well, well said. Anyway. All right, great... I'm gonna I'm gonna get off my soapbox now. <laughs> <laughs> well Thank said. You. Drink this bottle of wine. No, there you go. <laughs> and a perfect way to close the, it the is, show. It is. Yes. Thanks for yeah. hanging with us, John. It's a bourguignon. we'll we'll open that up after we record (laughs) all right well thanks so much for joining us john here on dig it with Corey lynn from Corey's digs myself the sharp edge and the speaker please be sure to share this podcast we are on iHeartRadio, soundcloud spotify stitcher tune in youtube foxhole gab tv BitChute, Pill.net, and Odyssey. <laughs> We're everywhere. Try to take us down, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks again, John, and we'll see you back next time right here on Dig It. Thank you.